Did you see what I uh, was gifted Friday night? Mm-mm. Cow tongue. Oh, I, I was told that there was some cow tongue coming your way. Uh-huh. Um, but they, in the text, it was very awkward. Like, yeah, I have to link up with Jared at some point because I have tongue for him. And I'm like, okay, man, I don't think he likes you like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross. And I'm Chris Johnson. And wow, man, it's been, seems like a, a little while since you and I are both sitting here looking across. I know. I don't have to worry about the levels or anything. This sounds better. I'm not I'm not afraid of John cursing my name. <laughs> right. Because I don't understand how to record things. Uh-huh. Oh, he does. You don't see that. Oh, I, I know. And I, I apologize. I, I, I love John. And I need to find time to get with him so I can make that travel kit that's right. Work. Uh, on more than one occasion, this calm, level-headed man has sent me all caps uh, texts <laughs> about levels. <laughs> uh, I did mute my phone, so it shouldn't be ringing on the table, um, you know. Good. That's always good. That, As that, I say that, I better check and make sure it is muted. That, that, that's a sign of professionalism right there. Yep. <laughs> man, well... <clears throat> And you just throw your phones yeah, just throw on the my floor. Phones on the floor. <laughs> Let them vibrate down there. Yeah. So can't, uh, man, can't wait to, to get going today. We had such an awesome event over the weekend. Uh, and today's Monday. We just didn't have time to get together to review the Light Fighter uh, before now. So uh, we're recording this Monday morning. Usually our podcasts go out Monday morning. Uh, John will get to this as soon as he can. So, you know, who knows if he's really fast um, and not busy. Maybe we'll get it out this afternoon, this evening, but most likely be like Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll probably drop this. Yeah. But let's uh, so let's talk. Let's review the Life Fighter first. Uh, we'll go back last year. So we we ran it last year at, at a different location. Some good friends of ours had a nice piece of property and, and allowed us to to do it there, and that was a pretty good experience. Uh, the the whole idea, I guess, behind the Life Fighter is we just don't do hard things much anymore. So it, I wanted to create an event where people could push themselves, people could uh, challenge themselves, and then do a series of, of different tests, different uh, skills. Well, you know, it, one of the, the big events, one of the things that people stand out about the Light Fighter is that eight-mile road march. Mm-hmm. And both last year and this year, we had that eight-mile road march. They were significantly different. Uh, the distance was the same. The pack weight was the same. The terrain was very different. Was very different. Um, yeah. But what they don't understand is that that's just one event, and it's seeing how you can do these other tasks when you're already tired. You know, for, for myself, um, you know, why did I want to do this? Well, I wanted to do it, and I wanted to create something. This, but wanted to do it for, for years because of the experience that I had, really at, at selection. As, as well as parts of, of Seer School, those times, and should he even Sage? I, I, I think of Sage because that, for me, selection was challenging in all, all aspects. Yeah. But Sage, you would do some ridiculous movement with ridiculous weight, and then you had 
that was just getting to work. Yeah. And you had the work to do. So if anything, this reminds me of my experiences in Sage. Yeah. I think my selection was similar to, to you know, you know, to most people, to, to you, you know, and it, it was hard for what it was, but at the same time, just, you know, just don't you, give up. Don't you go, just don't give yeah. up. Yeah. With the exception of that, of pushing that Jeep. That was, <laughs> that, that was, that sucked. And you long-time listeners, I, I know I've shared here once or twice how um, for team week in my selection class, one of the events was we had to push two World War II, two Jeeps. And I forget how long it was, what, five clicks, seven clicks, something like that. Um, you know, it is my plan. Yeah. That uh, when I'm finally wealthy and I can like buy you real Christmas presents oh, yeah. to buy you one of those Willie's Jeeps uh-huh. and have it stuck in have gear. Stuck in gear. It, and that's what it was. One of the two was stuck in gear. So my team had to push this stupid Jeep. We'll paint it gold. <sighs> Shut up, you. <laughs> we had to push this thing stuck in gear. And man, that, that sucked. That got to the point where I could only take one more step. Then only one more step. So that's, that's what a rewarding experience of pushing through that thing, <laughs> literally. And, and, being successful and, and reaching that end goal. And that's really what I wanted to, to help create is I wanted to create an experience for people who really were pushing themselves. It really was a challenge. It was not easy. And with a real chance of not being able to, to succeed. To finish, yeah. And, um, and then let them challenge themselves. You know, one of the, uh, the coolest things is the, the last obstacle. We were there a lot of the time helping people uh, get through that obstacle. I mean, this one? Yeah, no, yeah. Not, you you want to? Okay, I'll hold off on I'll that. I'll hold off on that. Yeah. Okay, all no, right. I just, all right. Just want to you know, s- still mention the one last year. So last year's was pretty successful, and and we we learned a lot uh, of how to run it, as well as a lot of the things that worked with the events, some things that didn't work with with the events, and uh, so we made changes to, to mm-hmm. really improve it this year. Uh, I know one of the things that we didn't do is last year we had the stock that nobody got to go. Yeah. Because well. They were going up against Ben, ben yeah. yeah, and Ben just wouldn't let anyone win. Yeah. Um, the punk little, well, how old is he then? Was he like? He was thirteen, right? Uh, no, he was he was twelve. He was twelve. Yeah. Twelve then, yeah. He just, it's hard because he's kind of like twenty five, twenty eight, you know. Yeah, he he just didn't make it fair. Um, but yeah, we learned a lot. So with this year, we had a lot of participants from last year who were very enthusiastic to do it again, and we had. Um, Last year, we had a little over 30 who actually showed up. More than that, signed up, but they didn't show. We had a little over 30, and this year we had, I think the number was 63. Mm-hmm. 63 people signed up for it. So we had a lot of repeats from last year, but then a lot of people, this was their first time doing it and everything. And uh, a lot of them had an idea what to expect, but but again, nobody nobody knew until they started walking it. So you had already mentioned the distance was the same. Yes, mm-hmm. the distance technically was the same but man that terrain was that, like something that else. elevation change mm-hmm. and it, honestly having ridden that trail several times on that uh that quad um i don't think it was the uphill that was the difficult i think it was the, the downhill, downhill? Yeah. yeah there were a couple spots that was pretty steep yeah I, I know that my daughter gwen that she did the the light fighter this year she was like at one point i just said you know what I'm just going to slide down this on my backside. <laughs> and she did. Uh, she wasn't the only one. Yeah. So let's go through, uh, let's go through chronologically. So people showed up Friday night. We had a, uh, a meet and greet and really that's just a term. People just showed up. We started cooking. 
and we had a small grill. So I had a little surplus of burgers that had already cooked and then people came through those. And then after that, just couldn't keep up with the line. Um, so, so maybe next year we'll have a bigger or multiple grills and doing something like that. And some of the people, I forgot who it was. I wish I could remember. I, I'd, I'd give you a shout out, brought some really cool, uh, cold cuts of meat mm-hmm. as well as some semi-exotic cheese that that blue cheese i thought i had blue cheese before it was nothing compared to his man i i did not get any of that oh it was good i i'm a blue cheese uh fan yeah Uh, stilton is my uh my favorite uh i i love that stuff so that was a and we had a couple bonfires going so Mm -hmm. it was just a good time getting to know people and reconnecting and and stuff you know the social aspects of events like this are, are very important and i think that uh improves for next year like you said having more grills yeah have it, you know we we were trying again we can run things uh you and i are doers so we try and do as much on our own as possible yeah and i think next year as we organize better um having dedicated people you know to to run that grill and and, and get that stuff set up so that you're not stuck on the grill and we can, I'm not running the trails and, and doing things like that, that we can be there as those hosts and to, to socialize with people, interact with people and, and make it more of that, uh, uh, fellowshipping, yeah. you know, I think that's, that, that, I think that's that really, very important. That's really know? the intent. Yeah. What was to do that? And man, met some good people, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of good conversations. Some stuff. new people that we hadn't met before. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's one crew that, uh. They actually, they were a, a working crew. I think they did construction work. Mm-hmm. And they were all, this was the first time doing it. So they, when they came down, they knew they were going to show up a little bit late because they worked that mm-hmm. day. They worked Friday. And uh, I didn't see it, but uh, they were saying, yeah. So we came down and we had our work trucks and we had our four ways all flashing and all the lights going to, we wanted to make a big scene as, as we pulled in. <laughs> so it was, it was good. Good time. Um, and then when that finally died down and, People were camping out, people you know, going to bed and everything, getting ready for the for the morning. And that's when we, we finally took off. So uh Saturday, I got there around six. You were you were camping. Yeah, down there, I, so- I I camped camped down there. So I was up about five just because I can't sleep. Yeah. And so got started getting moving, getting things uh organized and lined up and Again, the the social aspect, talking to people as they're waking up and getting ready for it, yep. encouraging people to stretch. Stretch, yes. <laughs> Stretching's good. About 6.30, we started the final in-process mm-hmm. where people getting issued their number and doing the way-in. Yeah. Uh, how were the rucks? Um, I will tell you guys, if you uh, you suffered on that, a lot of it was because you didn't know how to pack a rucksack. There were several rucks that I picked up. Uh, one that, a co- very common thing, were way too heavy. You know, multiple rucks I picked up and they were in the 40s. And some people are like, oh, I'm going to go drop weight. I'm like, cool, come back and uh, I'll weigh you again. A lot of rucks I picked up and it was clank, 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 a bunch of weights stuffed in the bottom. I mean, like literally no proper packing. And I know those guys suffered. Yeah. I, I could just feel it. Um, my daughter, one of them, I weighed her ruck. And this is the thing. Like I had built that ruck for her. I showed her how to set it up, and this was like, you know, we've been doing some training, not as much as I would have liked to. Uh, so her ruck was weighed perfect. But then I go to weigh it, and it was like 39 pounds. And I'm like, I put those sandbags in there. It should be exactly 35. So I was like, do you want to try? And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. And she rucked with uh, her 39. At the end, she was like, 
I forgot. I put a bunch of stuff in there when I did that girls, uh, girls group hike. <laughs> so she had like stuff from her little sister. Like she had her little sister's toothbrush and toothpaste and all kinds of things that were stuffed in pockets that contribute to the, contribute extra, four to the yeah. extra four pounds, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I, my heart swelled like, you know, the Grinch, like, you know, mm-hmm. grew 10 sizes, all the Alice packs that I, I weighed. Man, just Alice, Alice, she's she's my girlfriend, you know. Mm-hmm. Molly, you know, she's yeah. uh, she's too clunky, yeah. you know. But Alice, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't, that, that, it, it sucks to be you. That That's like, I don't know, the, the AK of packs. Yes, yeah. And it was just, you know, it was awesome. And some, some of those Alice packs were packed right. Yeah. Like I picked those things up. I'm like, you're going to have a good time. You're, you're going to have a good time. Other guys, you know, really nice pack, but again, not packed correctly. Um, so you've got 30 seconds. What's the correct way to, the to correct, pack? correct way to pack the pack. You want to pack it high and center of your weight. So, you know, if you have a pouch or something like the Alice pack has a radio pouch, if you're just working out, that's where you put your weight in that radio pouch. It's one of the reasons why like Flynn, that's why he uses an Alice pack for working out because you can just throw a plate in there. Um, if you've got your regular backpacking backpack, one of the things like I did for Gwen's is I actually made, um, you know, cut foam to fill the bottom of it. So it built a shelf then to put the sandbags on. And I used photography ballast bags that weigh 12 pounds. So I could, you know, I could count the weight up and then put a small uh, bag of uh, sand in there to get it exactly at that 35, including the pack weight. And then when you put your water and stuff on top of that, you know, because it was dry. So when you put your water on, depending on how much water you put in, you're looking at about 40 pounds. Yeah. So around 7.15, I gave the last little safety brief. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we started time and sent them on their way. And I think the first two miles for that, how we organized that course, were probably the two most difficult. You know, they started okay and kind of a little elevation when they went up. But then they went down to an area where there's a, a lot of moisture, mm-hmm. kind of swampy. Yeah. And uh, you had to pay attention to the to the trail markers mm-hmm. to keep going in the right direction. And then... Which is funny. Like, people missed the blazes. You know, the, afterwards, I talked to a lot of people. You know, what'd you like? What, what could be better? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, people's critiques of like, oh, this could have been better. Maybe there's a little bit different. You know, that, was, that was legit. I listened to that. Mm-hmm. Except for when it came to like, oh, the, the markers. No. No. Well, why did it, why did people miss markers? Why did they like do extra time? Because one, they weren't paying attention because two, they were just following the guy in front of them or three, they're just chucking it up yeah. and laughing with somebody. So you had me drive the route yep. the day prior and I missed a few. I had to turn Well, I was driving at speed. I'm, yeah. I'm on a, a quad. I'm doing between, you know, nine to 20 miles an hour, you know, depending on the trail, you know. And there was a couple spots I, I went back and added more uh-huh. because it was hard for me on that quad at speed at to speed. see it, you yeah. know? And I was like, Hey, and there are some that like, I added like three markers all in a row. So it was like very, very obvious, you know, like a, a sharp turn or something. The one spot where I guess everyone missed, it was like when they were doing the river crossing. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking how, because it was so obvious if you, you know, when you approach uh-huh. it, it's, it, you can see the other marker on the other side of the river. But the, I guess when I went back and looked at it, the trail, there were two trails 
but they just followed the shorter trail across the river. They didn't look for the marker. They looked for the easy. That's where yeah, they did it. Oh, that's okay. where. Okay, and totally. So it, it's the, the markers there. I put the marker there. Yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. and it was one of those things for me on the quad. I didn't miss that marker. You know, I I got to the uh, the creek and I looked for the next blaze and I saw it and I just drove to it. Yeah. But because that was kind of walking through the river a little bit longer, you know, the human nature kicked in and they went for the the short across, which. Hey, that's fine. You know, and you even briefed in it. Yeah. Hey, don't spend more time in the water than you have to. But if they had gotten across the the other side, the other bank, and then looked, they would have seen that marker. Um, instead, most of them went past it, and then they saw it when they looked back. Uh, so, like, I guess there was a, a couple people that went uh, went a little bit further, and there was a lot of people that saw them and just followed them. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Lessons learned. There yeah. you go. And it, I mean us for you know what are we going to do next year um maybe on a very difficult thing like that where we need you to pay more attention and not be looking down or talking to your friends we'll throw flags or something on those spots no no no, no? i don't okay. think so at all that that's that's <laughs> they were brief they were told we'll put it out next year hey this is what happened you, you know pay attention you know one of the best parts uh, and you'll know who you are one of the guys that that did take a, a wrong turn uh-huh. He's like, hey, hey, Chris, man, I mean, if that DQs me, like, you know, that's my bad. Like, I'll own that. Uh-huh. I didn't follow the blazes. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, no, man, you got on the trail. You you, you found the, you, you made it to the end. Yeah. If you walked extra, well, that's just bonus for you, you know. I mean, we're not going to give you extra for it, but, you know, you got more out of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> good, good on the guy. Like, he's like, no, my integrity counts. I, I wasn't paying attention. I'm like. Well, you punish yourself for not paying attention. I don't need to take anything exactly, away yeah. from you. What more can we do? Yeah. So that was about the first mile. The second mile then were a lot of switchbacks going mm-hmm. up, up, up. Um, and that's about a – that's like a five, 600-foot uh, ele- yeah, yeah, elevation, elevation climb. change yeah. as they're going up. If you guys have seen some of the pictures that we posted before, and I think one that somebody posted, I don't know if I did or somebody else did, posted of the um, power line trails – uh, that was originally our intent was to use those, but they were just too steep. Yeah, we so, needed to do the switchbacks. Yeah, so there's only a, a little portion that people spend on the power lines. But at, at the conclusion of well, actually, when they got to the the two mile mark, where we had a, the guy waiting to to check roster numbers as well as have water and some Gatorade and stuff there for him, uh, that was that was just at the top of the mm-hmm. power lines. And after that, the next two miles were pretty flat, um, not much elevation change until they got to the, to the midpoint. But we were surprised that um, first dude, uh, first guy who checked in, it was it was less than thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and I was I thought an average time would be about three hours um, to do the whole thing, and uh, man, he he was flying. My yeah. hats off to that guy. He he flew through that that whole thing, and you know miles two or the two mile mark or the four mile mark that was pretty flat. So yeah, you could certainly mm-hmm. make up good time there. But then after that, there's a lot more elevation changes up and down for, for the duration. So I was, it was pretty impressive how fast he was going. But, yeah, he got there and just a straight I, I think we, we were all kind of surprised because we're getting the station set up and everything, and it yeah. comes across the radio. Hey, this is uh, mile marker two, first guy, first roster through. And it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's going to be like that then, you know. Um, and then the, the second guy wasn't too far behind him. No. 
yeah, they, they were definitely, definitely pushing themselves. Yeah, they were. That's pretty cool. And then there were some people who were, 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 were just taking their time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that we're going to do for next year is uh, we're going to put time hacks. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't, we haven't figured if out. you haven't met exactly, the checkpoint. Yeah, if you haven't met the yeah. checkpoint by a specific time, then, then we're going to have you uh, get a truck and yeah. we'll, we'll take you out just to, to keep everything going. And the first guy was done, it was what? Two hours and oh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Well, Abby's putting it up on the website right now anyway. Okay. So it's two hours and 30 minutes or two hours, 40 mm-hmm. minutes, something like that. A decent time. Uh, and then I think the last person clocked in at six and a half hours. And that was just really slowing us down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we're going to have some kind of adjustment there. But uh, overall, the ruck, everyone was, I think, pretty happy. It smoked Everyone who yeah. did it were pretty tired, pretty smoked. And like you said, there was a lot of uphill, but I think the two parts where it was coming downhill, those were, were probably more, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, treacherous than, mm-hmm. than, than anything. Hmm. Uh, most people, you said, uh, they had Al's packs or we had, had good packs, and almost everyone carried an AR mm-hmm. with them. Uh, what were some of the exceptions? We had, we a, had grand. a grand, we had a foul, and we had a uh, RPK. RPK, yes. Yeah. Someone carried an RPK. Yeah. yeah. That guy, power to him. That guy loves the AK family, man. <laughs> I, I've known that guy for a while, and, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it definitely stood out. Yes, yeah. yes, it did. Yeah. So after, anything else you want to talk about to the Ruck? I definitely think that even the people that were prepared for it weren't prepared for it. Yeah. Um, I know that we have talked about many times on the podcast about, uh, you know, taking care of your feet and doing things like that. I've written an article about wearing socks and, you know, proper socks and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I got from Smash when we went up to uh, New Hampshire, uh, he has his little uh, group that they, they have a light fighter group. They were all talking back and forth and, I asked, like, hey, you know, what are what are some of the things that it's not a class? Like, as we're thinking about growing the YouTube channel and stuff like that, mm-hmm. what are some things that we could put out? And uh, that was a big one. Like, no one knows how to take care of the feet. Hmm. And talking to people as they were coming through, like, hey, how are your feet? You know, you got hot spots and stuff like that. I was I was surprised how many people didn't know what a hot spot meant. I, I still have that role of uh, moleskin in yeah. my truck that I never did give to, to yeah. Doc. <laughs> Well, you know, it's kind of like an after-the-thought thing, yeah. you know. Um, I, I just threw it in there. But so that was one of the things that kind of stood out to me. It, that, yeah, we're not going to we're not gonna teach a class on how to take your, care of your feet. I don't think that's a, a long enough subject that we can do a podcast on it. And I really don't know if, if you guys really want a podcast on feet, you're gross. How does that translate? Anyways, yeah, it, so Anyways. I think that's a video that we need to do. Uh, we, because you and I have a lot of experience. We have a lot of other people that have experience with it. Um, and that is important, you know, uh, maybe I have experience. Well, you and I both have experience having not taking care of our feet. And then I learned years later, I just was hard and stupid. Well, I'm just thinking, I think it was in the eighth grade where I, I bought my first combat boots and that's a a <laughs> byproduct of me listening to that. I won't even see rock and or roll, but more of that punk rock stuff so i wore combat boots that was my normal attire probably from eighth grade through all of my high school years and uh 
yeah, that's just who I was. So I already had these super hard calloused feet by, you know, wearing that. So when I went to basic, shoot, even when I went to selection, but at that point, if you were already dead. Oh yeah, they, yeah. they, they were. Mm. I didn't get blisters in selection until, uh, until a trick till, till the end. My feet were, were fine the entire time. Two, two things that always stand out from selection. Yeah. Uh, the guy that had the roster number right below me, so I was one two five. He was one two four. Um, he was a tanker, and he was—I mean, he was in shape. Yeah, like the kid knew. He knew his body. You know, he was definitely. I was always jealous of their boots with the the buckles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, anyways, he, he was definitely. Prepared. But he went out and bought two brand new sets of Ultimas. Okay. Not resold, nothing. Just straight out of the box. Like, he's taking them out of the box day one. Oh, my gosh. And I'm sitting there like, did you bring any other boots? And he's like, no, no, I didn't. Now, we had good mentors. You and I both had good mentors. So prior to me going to selection, Steve said, hey, take three boots. You can have a third set of boots. Take a third set of boots. So I always had a third set. So... I was able to rotate and always have a dry set of boots. He also told me how to resell my boots uh-huh. so that when I was doing the swim test, my boots floated. So <laughs> he hooked me up. Uh-huh. Well, so this kid, and I, I looked at him, and I was like, dude, what size shoe are you? And he was like a nine and a half. And I wear 11 and a half. And I was like, I have an extra set of boots that are broken in. Like, but they're... Two, two sizes, sizes too big. He so had to it, wear like three pairs of socks it, to make he, it work. Yeah, he did. He was, he was like, I'm not gonna do it. So he, physical specimen, mentally, uh-huh. he was all there. He uh-huh. he could do that. He was gone in the first week because oh. his feet were destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the other was a uh, a former marine, or sorry, he was a marine who was now in the army. I, I know that there are no former marines. Once marine, always marine. Um, he was a marine that on the trek the bottom of his right foot, the entire sole came off of his foot, not his boot, his foot. Like it completely sloughed off and it was just this bloody hamburger mess. And we're like, dude, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but are you okay? And he's like, it's just four more miles. It's just four more miles. And we, we don't know that. And he's like, that's what I'm telling myself. It's just four more miles. And he walked on this hamburger foot and he got selected that dude was the the epitome of I'm just hard. Um, I, I don't even want to know what kind of foot he has now. Yeah, really. I, that was, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was one of the things that came out of the the road march that people they don't know how to pack rucks and they don't know how to take care of the feet. And uh, maybe that's something that we when we start doing videos, we'll do a series on that. Yeah. So for next year, I think. It's going to change, but I think we're going to keep that general route, though I know there are definitely some, some sections I'm going that we're to take gonna away. That we're going to make more hard. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because and, there were some easy spots on that that, you know, people complained about. They're like, it was too level. Uh-huh. You know, it was too beautiful. You know, I got distracted by the color-changing you know, trees. More than one person told me, you know, Jared, when I was walking up that hill, I was hating you. And then I saw the scenic view, and I just thanked the world for Chris Johnson. And, and, like, and I'm like, I didn't pick the route, but I'll take the praise. It's <laughs> And it's all Dustin's fault yeah. because Dustin said that you're the hammer and I'm the hugger. Uh-huh. So anything miserable that they do, they blame you. Anything that's rewarding, it's all me. Yep. And in actuality, eh, you picked the route, man. That yeah. was all you. Yeah, I did. Especially the bad parts. Uh huh. But I'll take the I'll take the praise for all the scenes. They just think I have an eye for beauty, and you're just hard. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Like, 
Chris is a photographer. He likes he likes pretty things. <laughs> so after the, the eight miles, uh, then they went to the first uh, station was was shooting. Yeah. So everyone was supposed to bring twenty rounds. When they registered in the morning in Paxer Way, they they turned in a magazine with the twenty rounds and it's labeled for them. So they were carrying their rifles for the eight mile march, which was because of the location last year. Something we couldn't do. We, we couldn't yeah. do that, but. Since we had a BFR, heck yeah. So once they got to the shooting place, they found their magazine, the Mark magazine. And this year, which I think was a little bit different than last year, this year from one position, they shot all 20 rounds at a small bullseye. And it was five rounds standing, five rounds kneeling, five rounds sitting, and five rounds prone. So they had four different positions. And then we just judged it based off of accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um that was it. So either your weapon was zeroed and you knew what you're doing, or or your weapon wasn't. And you know, there's you know, that was it. <clears throat> um, I know my, my daughter. So my my daughter who who did it. She has a uh, LPVO. Yeah. I'm trying to think what type, which one. That doesn't matter. Um, so she's taken multiple rifle classes with that thing. So. I asked her, so how'd you do? She's like, oh, I only got, I think she said, I only got five hits. I had, I had 15 misses. I'm like, how could you have those misses? Like, didn't you like crank mm-hmm. it down so you could yeah. like, like see? And oh, that was off and use Kentucky windage and adjust. And then she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> so she had the scope, but it was, you know, it's yeah, zero, zero magnification. Power, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, she well, just wasn't, you know, she well, was smoked. She yeah. just wasn't thinking. Gwen, um, we built her her rifle that's her birthday present. Yeah. And so we put iron sights on it. And then I just, as a bad father, I had no time to get her zeroed. Uh-huh. Every time I was trying to get her in range, it, something happened. So I said, it's okay. You'll use my rifle. You'll use my rifle. And I've got an EOTech on it. And it's got about, you know, at 25, it's got about an uh, inch and a half hold. Uh-huh. I forgot to tell her that. I didn't tell her holds. Uh-huh. So she she missed 16 shots oh. that were in a super tight group, and it was all hold. It was all that. And so, you know, she's like, yeah, Dad, your zero's off. I'm like, where were the shots? And she she said they were, they were kind of low. I'm like, oh, man. Uh-huh. There that, you go. That was, that was all me just not not thinking to, to tell her. And she's taken the rifle class. Um once she's taking it again this this October at the end of okay. the month, and uh, she's so so excited about that. But this time she's using her rifle. Good. Um, and I am gonna she gets her she gets her EOTech on uh, her birthday, uh, but I'm gonna give her an EOTech for for that class, so she's not doing it with iron sights. Uh, I should make her do it with iron sights, so she'll appreciate it more. But I love I love my kids, so they, they get good stuff. So that's a. Those are two good. Uh, examples of, of knowing the equipment. Okay, well, no, I guess yeah. examples are what I'm looking for. Those are two examples of why we organized the, the Life Fighter the way that we did. So that ruck, that's just getting you there. Mm-hmm. Um, you still got to do the work. And one of the inspirations for that that I took historically with you know Life Fighters from the past is the Warrior's Path. So the Warrior's Path was the name of a whole system of trails, basically like the Appalachian Trail, um, I-81 here in Pennsylvania, 1115, these these routes are holdovers from 
from the warrior's path. So it was the Native Americans. Um, it was a series of trails basically connecting New York, uh, Pennsylvania, parts of Ohio, all the way down to the Carolinas and, and, and Tennessee. So you had these young warriors that they needed to test themselves and prove themselves. So you had the uh, Native Americans from the south using the warrior's path coming up here to the north, the ones in the north going down south to go uh, test and try themselves and, uh, you know, uh, against their traditional enemies. But that path, as long as it was, that was just, just getting there. Kind of like, uh, you know, our experience in group too. Mm-hmm. You know, you were on a free fall team, dive team. That's just this the means to get to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with I mean, actually getting there and that work. You know, we, we said that last year to people, hey, the ruck is just one event. And I know a lot of guys last year, they, they really pushed themselves on that ruck thinking that if I'm first on the ruck, then I'm going to win. And this year, there were some people, again, that, that saw the ruck as like, this is the big thing. It wasn't until they got to the comp- the other stations that they realized, hey, this is important too. And I think that did open a lot of eyes of, hey, this is just how we get to work. Yeah. There was one, a lot of people came in in groups, whether, you know, a couple people or groups of four or five or six. And there's one group that I know of, they, they actually, most of them scored very, very well. I think a lot, at least half of the group came in the top 10. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And none of them were the fastest ones in the ruck. They came in the middle mm-hmm. uh, of, of the pack when it came to the ruck times. But they cleaned house everywhere else. Yeah. And because of how they did all the other um, events, they, that's how they scored so high and, and earned the, uh, the Pennsylvania Light hey, Fighter I, scroll. I'm, I'm going to throw the shout-out here. I was planning on doing it. It was uh, Bison, my son, my adopted son. Uh-huh. He came in seventh. And that just shows the improvement of someone – when they have a goal and they put their mind to it, and I have watched him over this past year. He he did light fighter last year. He knew he wanted to improve. And so I've been getting text messages from him, you know, showing like he's out rucking and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, he's got a GPS watch, so he'll share that with the group. And seeing that effort pay off, you know, in all the skills. He, he didn't just practice the rucking. He practiced the other skills as well. And that is so awesome to see someone grow like that. So shout out to you, buddy. So after uh, after the shooting, now that they no longer have any ammunition, they uh, moved on to the next station, which was Landnav. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, last year the top three. They were invited to come this year if they wanted to and, and help out, or they could c- compete again. And one of the three competed again, mm-hmm. and then the other two opted to to give us a hand. And, and uh, the actual thing was the winner last year, mm-hmm. Sid. He he came and he uh, helped out at the land nav station. Yeah. So you set that station up. How'd that one run? So um, again, because we're trying to make this balanced and we don't want it to, you know, people show up at a land nav and be like, well, I literally have no idea what you just asked me to do. So we, we kept it more like we did last year, kind of along that traditional lines of orienteering. Can you walk on a heading for a given distance? That's navigation. And, you know, uh, we're trying to find that good balance between uh, giving you a real challenge and giving you something that uh, is, is too easy. Um, there are multiple people like, ah, Landnet was, was kind of a, a, a give me. And there were other people that were like, man, that was really hard. I, you yeah. know, yeah. and that's when we have a, a an event like this, that's a, a, a truth. Some of you are going to be like walking a hundred meters on a given distance is or is, yeah, or a given uh, direction. 
Um, yeah, I can do that with my eyes closed. Uh, Gwen, you know, she's my daughter. She's, she came to me and she's like, yeah, I did it in like three minutes. I'm like, yeah, you know, why didn't you do it in two and a half? Uh, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, and then there were other people that had to do it multiple times to find that, that, uh, that alphanumeric and get it. Well, and, and one of the reasons why we organized this the way that we did is we knew for some individuals, some events are going to be easy. And then also some events are going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And because of that hardship, now, you know, you should focus exactly. on the next and, year. You know, if you did an event and you're like, man, that was easy. Awesome. Keep working it. Keep improving. If you did an event and you're like, I should have been able to be successful at that, but I failed. Uh, analyze that and be like, why did I think that I was going to be good at that? And realize what you need to improve on. Uh, one of the stations that I, I saw a lot of struggle at was the fire building. We'll get to that we'll in a second. Yeah. yeah. Because after the land nav, then was salute the report. salute report. Yep. So this is new for this year. We didn't do We did a Kim's game yeah. last year. And it's, it's one of the things that we want to have an observation. We want something that is kind of mental. Um, and the way we ran the salute report, we utilized the simunition house. So, uh, the contestants had to go up to the top of the second floor. We had a spotting scope and binos up there. And then we had a, a sand table set up. Those of you who don't know what a sand table is, it's a, a representation of, you know, an event as viewed from above. We had grid lines. We had little army men out there. They were conducting an anti-armor ambush. Um, and there was next to the spotting scope was printed out what a salute report is. So people knew what they should be looking for. Then they had to come back and write it down. So it's not just a, oh, I see it, write it down. No, you had a specific amount of time to observe. Then you had to come back, remember, kind of like the Kim's game, showing that, you know, it's that progression and everything. And then you had to write it down. Uh, One of the complaints on that station was people didn't know how to use the tool. So people got up there and they didn't know how to use a spotting scope. And like the person behind them, had like really bad eyes. So the focus was different. So then they couldn't figure out. So one of my boys. Um, intentionally made it blurry? No. Oh, okay. No. One of my boys, and knowing who was running the station, um, probably saw us. One, one of Jared's boys, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So he said, the direction I was given was, you've got a minute, just get up there. The scope is pointing where it needs to be. He says, so dad, I went up there. And the scope's pointing up at a tree. So I'm looking at a tree, and I'm like, what am I supposed to see? So I looked at a tree for a minute, and then time, and then I didn't even see right in front of him on the ground. He didn't even see the sand table. So he he didn't do very well at that well, one. Well, when Gwen went up, um, the the spotting scope was, huh? was fuzzy for her. Okay. And she knows how to use a spotting scope because I've showed her. And so she's spending the whole time trying to get it in focus and she's like, I barely got anything uh, from that. And um, I was like, well, why didn't you use the binos? And she's like, there's binos up there. <laughs> and it was that, you know, that like your your adrenaline's so up that you don't like take in your situation yes. and, and see yes. the tools provided. And I'm pretty sure there were a lot of people that missed the binoculars. And I put that up there because not everyone has experience with a spotting scope. And so I wanted someone to, you know, if they walk up and they're like, I don't know what this tool is. Okay, there's an alternate thing for me to use. Um, and, it, you know, she was, that that was exactly her situation. She's like, I, 
I'm trying to make it work because I know how to make it work and I'm under pressure because I have a time and I'm, I'm already stressed and I'm physically taxed that she had the blinders on. Yeah. And so that was a great lesson for her to like, Hey, stop, take a breath, absorb your whole situation, you know, do the OODA loop, you know, instead of just like orient on one thing, break down the room. That's right. Break down the room. Instead of staring at a tree for a minute, like (laughs) I don't get this. Well, well, but one, one guy, I guess the, the spotting scope was pointed at the portage on. So I don't know who went before. <laughs> what were they looking at? Yeah. And <laughs> That's so, funny. I, you know, I would have done that just, yeah. just to be funny. So Do my thing and then he, yeah, leave it there. He, yeah. um, he wrote down, you know, uh, soldier in the portage on. <laughs> Didn't want soldiers in the portage on. <laughs> oh, uh, that's good you stuff. Know, uh, yeah, okay. All right. Um, but, you know, the, the point of that uh, – that stage is so that you guys have something that is mental, you know, because we want you to see kind of how you perform mentally when you're taxed. Uh, you know, maybe next year we're going to have just a worksheet of, of math problems. Yeah. You know, um, and it may be, you may right now sitting there listening to this podcast as you're driving to work or, or, you know, sitting at your desk or whatever you might, Oh, math problems. Cool. I can do that. Yes. You can do that right now. But when you have been physically taxed, taxed and stressed, it's surprising the easy things that aren't easy. Yeah. You know, um, that I think that was a good station, um, for what we wanted people to have out of it. Yeah. I, I think that outcome happened. So after that, the next station and people walked to was the fire starting. And there was really no difference between this and, and the way you ran it last year. Correct? No, there was a difference. So last year I gave them matches. Mm. This year, I did not give matches. We had ferrocinium rods. Gotcha. And um, we had a, uh, I made the little cotton wax um, circles. So you break that wax uh, circle and it exposes the cotton fibers. And, you know, when you are sitting in your, 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 my, like in my wood shop and I've had good sleep and I'm not tired and I'm, they spark instantaneous. But when your hands are shaking, when you're physically taxed and you're you're tired, it was kind of uh, kind of frustrating for some people. You well, know, I noticed you and I were both there when the first guy came through. Mm-hmm. So this guy who'd been screaming through yeah. and was a good twenty minutes, if not more, ahead of everyone. So we shot first, didn't land nav, mm-hmm. did the Kim's game, not Kim's game, sorry, did the suit report. Then he came to fire, and we showed up. And this guy was struggling. He had a good flame going, mm-hmm. but not good enough. That not, wasn't not 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 meeting the objective. Mm-hmm. And you know, a, a lot of people commented on that. Um, the objective, they, they said, the stakes were high. Ah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It, it, it's funny. One person said that to me, and I was looking at her, and I didn't get it. She was making a joke, and I I just didn't get it, and I, I feel kind of stupid. She probably thinks I'm an idiot, but that's all right. You know, um, great joke though. It just went over my head. <laughs> it was a little high for me, but so, um, that was, that was one of the problems that a lot of people had trying to get a high flame and get a good flame going. Uh, and we, we do our best to make it as equal of an experience, uh, for everyone. Uh, we tried to make all the Dakota holes the same depth. Uh, we had the stakes, everyone used, had to burn through this, the 550 cord. So, you know, as, as, as equal as possible. 
Um, so it's just the individual contestant that is the difference. Everyone had the same rods. Um, I was able to procure eight of the, well, I got 10 actually, because we had two spares in case, you know, one broke or one got yeah. too beat up. Um, and that was the intent is to be as same as possible. One of the things I noticed that I was, this is on me, I was assuming everyone knew how to use a, a ferrocinium rod. Um, when I got there about midway through, some of those rods were getting really chewed up because people don't know how to use them. And so they were using like their the actual blade of their knife instead of the back of their mm-hmm. the spine. So the spine. Um, and so I had the two spares. We, we switched them out with the, the two gnarliest ones. And then I had some other rods that were um, the, the Titan uh, survival rods, the ones that I use. Um, they were a little bit nicer. They were by far more expensive. So I, and I was like, ah, but I want to keep it the same. So everyone was using that particular rod. I'm going to keep it the same. Yeah. Because I don't want someone to say like, the, you know, someone had an unfair advantage. There, there was one guy, um, and I'm going to reach out to him. I felt bad, but he 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 just didn't get it going. Mm-hmm. He and uh, at the end, when we were handing out the the certs. He and one of his friends come. Hey, he finished everything. Did everything. And and uh, I saw him talking to Abby. Like, yeah. Where's his cert? And. Uh, so she's like, well, let me see. What's your number? And she like, boom, boom, you know, like looking yeah. at the spreadsheet and like, oh, wait, it says here that, that you, you are no go at, at the fire station. And he's like, I didn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. No, he didn't quit, but yeah. Well, Hey, you know, uh, he knows who he is and I know who he is. And uh, he's invited out to uh, the winter wilderness skills class. And uh, I'll, uh, oh, he'll, he'll learn then. I'll, I'll take care of him, you yeah. know, making that wet fire in that puddle. Yeah. Uh, Gwen, Gwen asked me if she earned a puddle. Um, so if you guys are like, what does that mean? Uh, at the Wilderness Skills class last year, at the winter edition, I'm not going to make a student who's, you know, learning. I'm not going to make the problem more difficult for him. So on the wet fire, there were some students that uh, are definitely better than others that have more skill. And so, you know, you guys know who you are. You got a puddle. You, I put you in the wettest spot. And then students that were more learning and, you know, they were new to all of these things, I gave them more dry areas to uh, to do their wet fire. It was still, the ground was wet, but yeah. it wasn't a, a saturated puddle. So Gwen is always asking me, have I earned a puddle yet? Have I earned a puddle? Um, I don't know. Do you have a road flare with you? <laughs> That's what somebody used last time. Yep. yep. Well, at, at that class. Yeah. And I mean, the podcast is all yeah. about that guy. He knows that. So <laughs> there's your shout out. Uh-huh. <laughs> So after the um, after the fire starting, then they went to uh, the revolver yep. section. So we had uh, a guy who hand loaded a bunch of black powder uh, revolver. He's a competition um, cowboy cowboy action, action. shooter. Yeah. yeah. So did you shoot his, his revolver? I did not, bro, bro. I've, I've shot a thing or two, and uh, he was like, "It's a sensitive trigger." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. I've I've, I've had those before." I was surprised, like, oh, I breathed on it and it went off. It, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty wild. But that was um, everyone got two shots, steel, mm-hmm. and really that was uh, the steel was close enough that if you missed it, it was because you, you really did screw up. Mm-hmm. And uh, like he gave me, I think I had four shots and I missed one of those four, mm-hmm. um, and I shouldn't have. But it's totally me because I, I my, 
touch that trigger just you know before the mm-hmm. sights were on target and just you know like i do with a normal pistol yeah so drive take up a little slack yeah, yeah exactly there's no slack to take up <laughs> <laughs> um but that was that was cool i know last year we had the um the long rifle yeah the pennsylvania uh long rifle and so people were kind of expecting something like that and again we wanted something similar but mm-hmm. we also wanted something different so that, that revolver i think also surprised a, a lot of people yeah. and that was a, that was a good station that was a fun station to run um blunderbuss coming next year <laughs> Right. So after that, we went to uh, to the axe throw. And again, it's another one that most people were expecting, but it was certainly different than last year. Last year, it was a traditional throw. Your date night axe yeah. throwing, yeah. So, and nothing wrong with that. That was a good time last year. But as soon as that was over last year, we were talking with, with Martin from Mossy Forge. And he's like, you know, traditionally to hunt, you didn't throw overhand. You threw on the side, you know, to get the, the that small game. Like, well, that's what we have to do. So he made the the targets. Those targets were awesome. And if you follow some social media, you, you've you've seen some of those pictures of like the little stenciled rabbit, you know, <laughs> on the ground. And then he ran everyone through that. And uh, you had a chance. He had two different targets. One you could throw overhand and see if you can stick that. And then the other one, you know, throw throw to the side and low. And that that was a that was a good station. That was something again. People uh, weren't quite expecting that, mm-hmm. and that was, that was a little different. Not sure how we'll switch it up again next year, but I guess we'll, we'll think of something. I had a lot of good positive feedback yeah. with that one. You know, I don't know if that's a station that necessarily needs to be switched up or just added to like we did this year. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of those things that, yeah, we should be practicing that. I know that, you know, after watching people go through that station, I'm like, I am going to build that target in the backyard. <laughs> that is something that I want. I want that skill. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, because axe throwing to me was just that fun thing. Like, you know, the date night thing mm-hmm. to do, right? Now it's like, oh, that's viable. Yeah. Like that is, that is something that I need to have in my tool bag. And so I'm going to be building one of those targets this winter and, uh, and playing with it, you know? You know, as he, as we were talking about it, he was talking about how, you know, the, boomerang is so famous and you know everyone knows what a boomerang is what is it that's just a a stylized carved you know hunting stick mm-hmm. and then he's like in, in america and in, in you know the colonial days revolutionary war days you know in the early days of this country that that's what that, that tomahawk or that axe that that's how that's what it was it was also used as a tool for, for hunting and that's why he was explaining that side throw is that's just our version of mm-hmm. it um so it was cool we, to do that. You know, if you guys have not listened to the podcast where we had uh, Mossy Forge on, go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, he's Martin is such an awesome guy. Uh, a lot of a lot of good knowledge there. Um, and to to have that opportunity to see how that tool is properly used again, like I said, I'm I'm jazzed. I want to I want to do it. Yeah, you know. So after that, the next station that we did was, we called it first aid, but really it wasn't much of first aid. It was uh, for time. You had to apply a tourniquet to your dominant arm. After it was applied, then you were supposed to field strip your uh, your rifle and then reassemble it you know, for, for time. So that was just like we did last year. I, I, I like that station. No, If you were there last year, uh, no real surprise there at, at all. Just hopefully you you had the time. I wonder how the guy with the grand did on that station, <laughs> or the guy with the uh, what do you have the foul? Yeah, the foul. The, the foul was fine. Yeah, uh, and 
Honestly, I think uh, um, RPK would be easy. Yeah. Um, I mean, RPK is pretty easy to field strip. AKs are fairly easy to field strip, even Mm one-handed. Assembling... um, yeah, I think I think that would, you know, thinking about it well, wouldn't it be difficult. Uh, that was one of the stations that uh, when I talked to Gwen about how she did, she was like, "I'm glad that I didn't cheat myself, but I wish I had cheated myself <laughs> because she put that tourniquet on until you know she uh-huh. she had no pulse, and then she was like, my arm was throbbing so bad, uh-huh. you know. And it, that was we have done tourniquet training." And you know I'll I'll make them put them on and make sure that they have no no pulse. But then it's like okay now take it off. She had never done a task with it, and that was pretty awesome for her to see. Okay, it hurts, and then it stops hurting. <laughs> you know, and she she felt that she had that experience. So that was pretty awesome. Cool, cool. And from our experience all over the years of teaching and training, there's there's a lot of people who pride. Uh, Ego, uh, or maybe they've started out with a, uh, another training company or someplace that just wasn't as, as good as, as ours and really never never given that real foundation. Sure, they, they're having fantasy camp. They're running around and, you know, shooting this and doing ninja flips and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But they never had that sure foundation with, um, with the basics. Basics, which include um, – fixing simple malfunctions mm-hmm. as well as yeah. knowing how to field strip your yeah. weapon. So a station like that, um, that's one that does catch some people who just, mm-hmm. they never put in the time, never, you know, really have taken their weapon apart, put it back together where they're comfortable with it. So now all of a sudden with an injured arm, it, that, that can, uh, that can be a hard one. And again, that's one of the reasons why we put it in there is just mm-hmm. to emphasize you need to master these bases. You need to understand your tools and yeah. how your tools function and operate. Absolutely. Yeah. So after the first aid and move on down to the last one of uh, the last challenge of the event. And that was, we called it the O course obstacle course. Wasn't much of an obstacle course. We were just using what we had at hand. It was a lot of the feedback I got that was so deceptive because you know, oh, walk on this balance beam. Okay, don't knock the bag off. Lift this thing. Okay, uh, climb this tower. Okay. Now get in the hole. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I guess that um, uh, the guy that was running that stage was calling it the um, uh, Shawshank Mile. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, so we found that tunnel when we were exploring the property. And Ben jumped down there, took a look through it, and then I went down and went through it. And I'm like, "Yeah, this is this is we're adding this in." Uh huh. Um, and it, well, I I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pull the tape out and actually measure and, and see how short it really is because, you know, some people did think it was a mile. Yeah. Um, well, oh, here, here we go. Same, same guy, the the first guy who's other than the fire, mm-hmm. um, starting a fire. He was smoking everything, so he was. Clearly ahead of, of everyone at this point, probably by like 30, maybe 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hear the radio because since he's the first one, everyone's letting us know, you know, first man at this station, first man at this station. So we get the first man at the O course. So I, I take a look at the time. Okay. So um, 20 minutes later, I'm like down um, at, at the end, at the finish. I'm like, hey, where's he at? I'm like, 
he hasn't come in yet. Like what? He hasn't come in yet. Okay. So then I walk up the path. I don't see him. I get in my truck. I drive up to, to where they should be coming out. I'm like, oh man, I, here's the marker. So clearly he would come down because you come out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to use a rope, you can use a rope, but you navigate that really um, steep uh, hill. Not very far, but you know, it's pretty steep. You get down to that lower path to take you back. It's like, well, maybe it's clearly marked. Maybe he went the other way because he's going so fast. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's, so I take off like a flash driving down and I go as far as I can cross the creek, keep going. He's not anywhere to be seen. Like, man. So I come back. I'm like, Where, where'd he go? And then Ben was with me. Ben's like, I'll get a flashlight. Maybe he's stuck. So like, oh, no, did he die? He, he catted inside. <laughs> What's going on? And uh, so I drive up top, and uh, I say something to, to Dex, who's running that one. Like, hey, do you know? He's like, oh, no, he, he went in 20 minutes ago. I'm like, okay. So Ben jumps down in, and then I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I hear this voice. Are you okay? <laughs> and then a voice I'm fine. Like, oh, okay. Well, I guess he got in there and just, uh, I don't know, claustrophobic. He's a tall uh, guy. He is a tall He's guy. He's a tall guy. But uh, it, it took him quite a while to, to navigate that thing. I was telling a lot of people, when I went through, you know, there is a portion that you've got a belly crawl. There is a portion that you can be on your hands and knees. Uh-huh. And then it kind of opens up and I could duck walk. Yeah. You know, and you can get through it, you know. Um but I definitely think that a lot of people really struggle with that because in our day to day, we don't feel that we're claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, and it was the unknown. You could not see me and you had no idea how, how much further that went. And so for me, who I, I went through it. I knew, I knew exactly how much further I had. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't an issue. Um, there were multiple times that I, we kind of had that backlog and mm-hmm. I'm, ro- mm-hmm. I'm racing around on a, a quad, you know, putting out fires and helping out where I could. So I would go down there. I'd crawl on the back backside of it and, and start talking to people and, and talk them through and, uh, and get them out on the other side. Um, and, you know, let them know, Hey, it's not that much further, you know, uh, because so much of that tunnel was, was a mental experience. Yeah. Um, and they were not, not prepared for it. And you can't compare it. It's apples and oranges, but I, I remember, Man, going through uh, that one portion of uh, Nasty Nick. Nasty Nick. Oh, I, and, and you've got people in front of you, uh-huh, people behind uh-huh. you. And, like, it's tight. Yeah. And and we're both big guys. And, like, a couple times we're like, just breathe. Uh-huh. You're going to get out of this. Oh. And, and just and it was because I was trapped between the person mm-hmm. in front and behind mm-hmm. me. That's what sucked. So I, I'm, i like, feeling it right now. Uh-huh. Uh, two guys ahead of me, guy completely panics. Oh, no. And, like, we're midway through the tube yeah. and it's at that point where like my shoulders are touching the sides uh-huh you know like i i literally I, i'm i'm my hands are in into my body and i'm touching everything and i'm still able to crawl forward and now i'm hitting the guy's feet in front of me and the guy's head below me is hitting my feet and we're stuck in there and i'm just in there like i have this small little pocket between my hands and i'm just trying to breathe and it, it's okay i'm not going to die i'm not going to die yeah you know how I did it? And I think it's better than that. I didn't go on my hands and knees. I flipped on my back. And I'm using my feet just to push. Mm-hmm. And my hands were, were here. So I had more space, space. between me. Yeah, that would have been better. Top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this tunnel is by, I mean, it's oh. roomy. It's yeah, it roomy is. in <laughs> comparison. Um, 
talking to some people yesterday. I was texting back and forth and sending pictures to, to people. I had their picture and, and stuff. Um, and I was talking to one and she said, uh, yeah, you know, that, that was pretty good. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll try and improve it for next year. And, uh, made the comment of like, we'll add something new to it. I don't know. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's like, yeah, maybe like I'll put some, some spider webs in there or something. <laughs> and she responds with, Oh, I was thinking barbed wire. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Make it tighter. Okay. Uh-huh. Got this. You know, maybe I'll build a little foam box and you know, you, you have to really low crawl underneath there. Um, because that, that I think was a, a very good test for a lot of people on yeah. that, on that fear thing. And, uh, you know, I've talked to people about, I'm all about helping people overcome a fear because if we can learn to manage our fear, that is going to sustain us in those horrible things. Um, you and I are both afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. You know, the 34 foot tower terrifies me. And yet we're both paratroopers. Yes. Because it's not that I'm not afraid of heights. It's I'm going to master this fear. I'm going to be able to overcome this thing. Absolutely. So it's, it's good to have fear. It's good to identify what you're afraid of and control it, own it and become stronger by having that fear. I, I had a guy, and you know who you are, uh, said, yeah, I'm afraid of scorpions. That night we were out hunting scorpions in Saudi <laughs> because uh, we are going to master our fears. I glued a scorpion to a, a Spig 9 and shot it into a mountain. And I like to think that he didn't die. He wasn't crushed, crushed by the pressure of that Spig 9 being fired. I like to think it was like Wiley Coyote, like Looney Tune style, like his eyeballs are pulling back as he sees that mountain coming straight at him. There you go. There's a visual for you. Yeah. So now that we've, we've gotten to the obstacle, I can, I can say the thing that, yeah, uh, yeah, please. Yes. Uh, so we're sitting there, um, we're helping the last person out of the tunnel and there was an individual that was ahead of, it was the third to the last out of the tunnel and he's, he's lying down, he's, he's catching his breath. He's, he's having a hard time. And he says, that was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life, meaning that the whole light fighter and one of the uh, competitors had come back uh, to cheer everyone else on as they were finishing up. And she turned to him and said, congratulations. Yeah. And I think that sums it all up because congratulations to all of those people that did this hard thing. You are a better person for putting yourself out there and doing something difficult. And even if you didn't finish, you push yourself to limits. And sometimes by failing, and sometimes by finding those limits, that's the only way we're going to overcome it. If I don't know where my limits are, how do I know what to work on? How do I know how to become better? And so having an opportunity like this to come out and test ourselves physically and mentally, emotionally, congratulations. You guys now know yourselves better than you did Friday. And you're better people for it. Absolutely. That's the whole reason why, you know. Yeah we want to do this and why we did it and why are we going to do it in the future? I, and you know, I, I know that a lot of people understand that this is, this is a passion project for, for you and I, we make no money off of this. (laughs) If anything, well, it does, it costs us more money and it costs us more sleep and more stress, but it is so worth it. Yeah. You know, because we get that benefit of seeing these people grow. I know there's a lot of competitions out there, 
there's a lot of good things that people should, you know, test themselves and, and try. But a lot of those things are, they're uh, an experience that someone is putting on because they're making money. Uh, we're putting this on because we love you guys. And we want you to have that opportunity to grow. Let me go ahead and read. I won't say who it's from because I don't have the permission. But let me, uh, I'll read an email that, that we got yesterday. Thank you all. The ideas and morals Lodestone have presented have helped shape me into a better person as well as allow me to surround myself with amazing individuals. I am truly humbled and honored to know you all. You are an inspiration. Thank you for the opportunities to make myself a better individual and to make myself a harder person. The light fighter concept is something I'm truly dedicating myself to and will be better next year. I did give my all, but know I can be better. Our group of 10 who came out had nothing but praise to be said about this event. Thank you all again. So that really was like the general um, consensus and feedback that, that I got. One of the things that I don't know exactly how to solve yet, but we need to solve is there's that huge lag time from the first competitors to, to the end. Mm -hmm. And um, there are people who quite honestly were waiting for two, three, four hours and then they, they, they pop smoke yeah. and uh, can't, can't blame them at, you know, at all. I know people have things they need to do. I just wish there's some way we could keep everyone together. And so then we can do the presentation at the end mm -hmm. because we, with the uh, modern technology and ex Excel spreadsheets, we had everything calculated and ready to go. You know, I was actually thinking about um, maybe doing it in heats um, where, like, we had the, you know, still having, having the time, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't make this time. But a lot of people knew where they were at. And if we said, okay, if you are in the slower group, your time to start is 7.15. If you are going to smoke this thing and do it in two hours – your time to start is going to be at 915, hmm. you know, that's something um, to think about. Yeah. And have like a intermediate group that starts at 815. Uh, so it gives the people that are going to smoke it. They start later. The people that are going to, they're going to take that, that five hours. It gives them that five hours. To still going to create that bottleneck at different, at stations. different stations. And you know, it's, um, we know the stations that there were, were yeah. bottlenecks at. So like the, the fire we knew from last year, there was a, a time lag. So we doubled the amount of stations that we had. Yeah. Uh, this, this next year, same thing. We, we can, we can add more, you know, we can do 12 stations instead yeah, of eight. The, the shooting is, is a good one. We'll the, have multiple stations, it, multiple the, stations. The, the uh, concern that I have with that, like with shooting, you're going to need an individual grading, mm -hmm. but even with me giving out or you giving out directions, this is how you grade. It still comes down to the individual grader. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's on the line. So with one grader, he's going to consistently count it or not count mm -hmm. it. And I just want to make sure it's fair, fair to everyone. Across. So yeah, it's like the, the fire starting, like, you know, having the same consistent, you know, yeah. everyone has the same block of wood. Yeah. Everyone has the same, uh, string that they have to burn. Uh, we want it to be, it is at the end of the day, it is a competition mm -hmm. and, you and I know it's more about the individual competing against themselves, but there are still prizes. Yeah. So you know? the first prize, like last year, was uh, we built the light fighter rifle. So that individual, he'll get a rifle. The second prize was a very nice long beard uh, fighting axe, mm -hmm. uh, hand forged by Mossy Forge. And then uh, the next prize was a year uh, membership to the A-team. 
and then I think everyone one through ten all got also coupons and, yeah. and stuff. The first uh, ten people they all got the Pennsylvania Light Fighter tab, mm-hmm. and then everyone else who finished they got the American Light Fighter tab. Um, it's funny the night before Friday night, people are talking yeah about uh, they would rather the axe be the first place winning. Oh, really? Than the rifle? And I'm like, but I built that rifle, <laughs> and you know, it, it's kind of like, well, you know, actuality, you yeah. know. It's just a rifle. We all have those. People don't have that axe. That huh. axe is pretty well, uh, pretty impressive. All right. Maybe you can switch it up for next you know? year. So maybe we'll, we'll get some more feedback from people. Yeah. And, um, and, and now that, um, I guess it cat's out of the bag, now that Mossy Forge has moved to Pennsylvania, to the Keystone State, um, that can certainly happen. Yeah. That can certainly happen. Man, what a good event. It was. And, you know, you, you said it said it to me today when we came in the office, you're like, I don't think I've seen you this happy. No. And I mean, I was flying around on that quad, uh-huh. uh, reliving my glory days and see it for me. It's always, the juice is always seeing people improve. Yeah. And I saw so much improvement in so many people that I care about and watching them succeed, man, it, it just is so motivating. Like I am, I'm a better person today than I was Friday from watching all of you guys out there and seeing you guys improve and becoming that light fighter. Yeah. It just, it has motivated me. Thank you guys. Hmm. So if you want, and if you haven't go back in the podcast and you can listen to the first podcast that we did on, on the light fighter concept, not, not the challenge, but the light fighter concept, which is something that we've been pushing, we've been talking about, about being that well-rounded individual. Asset, not a liability. Uh, you know, about being self-reliant, uh, learning and knowing the, these basic skills. And it's not all, you know, it's not all pro-timer stuff on the flat range to look cool for the socials. It's, it's about being the well-rounded individual. And then also... Um, Light fighter is also another definition. Another uh, meaning is you know standing up for what's right, being that light on a hill, mm-hmm. um, that beacon on a hill, that setting that example for for others, and you know standing up for and fighting for those correct principles. As the world gets darker, it's more important for us to be the light. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Moving forward in the future, yes, there's going to be a Light Fighter Challenge, excuse me, a Pennsylvania Light Fighter Challenge 3. We don't have the date just yet, but we will have the date soon, so you guys can set the date and you can start working towards it. Uh, It'll be very similar to this year, but of course we're going to do some differences. There's going to be some surprises. But also, um, one of the special things about this year and about next year is that we had the Ben Franklin range and everything that that allows us to do with, with that freedom. So it'll be there again next year. But one thing that BFR is going to be doing is about once a quarter, they're going to be putting on similar events, not this big, but like maybe half size. So maybe four stages and, and a shorter distance, but stylized and patterned after the light fighter challenge. And the, one of the intents of that is to, uh, it's a training session. 
Get out there and do the short course. Get out there and, and hit a couple of these stages. And again, that's just pre- training and preparation for for the Life Fighter Challenge 3. Uh, really appreciate you guys. Really appreciate all the listeners and uh, how the growth that we've had with you sharing and encouraging your friends to listen to the podcast. And I really appreciate all you came out this, this past weekend. It was an overwhelming success. And we're gonna we're gonna keep on doing it. A single light fighter. He's insane.